If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 16. We have a lot to cover this morning, so I hope that you take some notes. Take some notes. You could always, you could always watch it again after the, after the service if you missed anything. But Romans chapter 16, verse 17, the Bible says this. And Paul says, now there is one more thing to say before I end this letter. He says, stay away from those who cause divisions and are upsetting people's faith. Teaching things about Christ that are contrary. Say that with me, contrary. Teaching things about Christ that are contrary to what you have been taught. Such teachers are not working for our Lord Jesus, but only want gain for themselves. They are good speakers, and simple-minded people are often fooled by them. Being that yesterday was April 1st, I titled this message, Don't Be Fooled. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Don't Be Fooled. See, Paul writes this to stay away from those who, he says, those who teach things about Christ that are contrary to what you have been taught. He says, beware of those who try to bring a teaching that is contrary, that is opposite of what God's word has taught you, of what God has shown you in your life. How many of you, God has shown you who he is through your life? Oh man, he's shown me so much in how he's been working in my life, God has shown me so much of who he is. It doesn't have to be just words, but you see it in the life that was changed in the mirror. Don't you? You see a life transformed, and you see who God is. You see his supernatural power at work in your very life. Not only do you see it in yours, but you see it in others. You look around, and you see miracle after miracle in this place this morning. You're sitting next to a miracle. Did you know that? You're sitting next to a miracle. God has done great things in our lives. And so Paul says, beware of those who try to teach things that are contrary to what you have been taught. And that's the basis of my message this morning. The first point being this, don't be fooled. Say that with me, don't be fooled. Say, God provides. Mm, I like that. How many times does the enemy tell you, especially in, these, in this day and age, that, God, that, that how is God going to provide for you in these times? The enemy likes to lie, right? The enemy wants us to be miserable just like he is. The enemy wants us to join him in his fate. He already knows what his future holds, but you know, misery loves company, right? Doesn't it? So he wants others to be miserable with him. So he tries to give these lies and tell us these things that God, God cannot be a provider during these times. But I hear, I'm going to tell you this morning, don't be fooled, God provides. 
Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. God is still providing for you and I. You see, when man was created, God provided everything he needed. Everything. Everything, church. We have no idea what this relationship even looked like between man and God. All we know is what we see today in our lives. We have no idea what that looked like. How God provided for everything that man needed. The Bible says that, that Adam went to sleep, he woke up, and God provided a wife. <laughs> How many of you men, God did it like that for you? <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't. He went to sleep and woke up, and there she was. Why? Was there anything he did? He was asleep. He did nothing. That was all God. God gave her to him. The perfect companion. The perfect mate. And they become one. Later, as we know in the Bible, Adam ends up blaming his perfect wife <laughs> for the eating of, from the tree. Doesn't that sound like us? We blame others or we blame things. You know, Adam blames his wife. How many times do we blame God for things that uh, we do? How many times do we blame others for the thing, for the wrongdoings that we do in our lives? Oh God, it's your fault. You gave me this wonderful brain. <laughs> you shouldn't have given me a brain, God, if you didn't want me to do whatever I wanted to do. If you didn't want me to think on my own, you should have made me dumb. Like a robot. I could have just done whatever you said without any question. It's your fault, God. You made me like this. <laughs> How many times do we blame others? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. The Bible says this. God is speaking to them and he says, Since you ate from the tree... Whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. Going back to what I was saying before, Adam, it's all your fault. <laughs> we're going to blame someone else, right? Adam, it's your fault that I have to work today. Do you realize that that's the reason why we have to work? God says now, he says, he says, before Adam, I was providing for you everything. I gave you everything that you needed, including food. It was yours. You didn't have to do anything for it. But now, because you disobeyed me, guess what? By the sweat of your brow, you will eat. So yes, thank you, Adam for making us work 40, 50 years of our lives at, at the same job or wherever it is. God, you know, thank you for our jobs. Hallelujah. <laughs> but he just provided back then. <laughs> he just gave them whatever they needed. So you see how things changed. You see, God still provides for us these days. Of course he does. 
He still provided for Adam and Eve. He gave them the sun, right? The sun to, to, to keep them warm, to keep it at right temperature. He gave them the breath in their lungs. Adam and Eve didn't produce their own breath in their lungs. God gave that to them. He provided for them continually, but there were some things, there were some things in their lives that God said, I will not provide for you in because now circumstances have changed. The means of, of obtaining provision changed for them. But don't forget today's message. The first point being don't be fooled, God provides, because God is still a provider. We're gonna, I'm going to let you know what that means Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. In verse 1, but before we get into 1 Kings 17, uh, chapter 16, verse 33 says this. It says that King Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 1. says, And Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, there shall be no dew or rain these years except at my word. What does that mean? Who provides the rain? God provides it. He says, Now there will be no rain. They needed rain for the crops. Do you understand this? Their means of living was by what they, what they grew. What they sowed is what they reaped. There will be no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, get away from here. Now God is speaking to Elijah. Get away from here and hide from the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. I have, check this out. He says, I have commanded. Say that with me, commanded. He says, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Do you know what ravens are? Do you know what ravens are? Just letting you know, ravens are not people. Yeah. <laughs> Raven is not a taco truck that drives by and delivers food. It's a bird. <laughs> he says, I have commanded a bird to bring you food. How many of you want your food delivered by a bird? I'm sure pretty soon, you know, we'll have food delivered by drones. I'm sure they're doing it right now. But it's a little different than a bird bringing it to your doorstep. He says, but I have commanded the raven to bring you food. He says, so he went and did according to the word of God, uh, the word of the Lord. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, and dwell there. And he says, See, God says, I have commanded, say that with me, commanded. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. 
And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go, that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. How long did Elijah tell Ahab that there'd be no rain? He said for a few years. He said for a few years, not just a few days. He said for a few years there will be no rain. And here you have Elijah telling the widow, she says that this is the last that I have that I can prepare, that I can prepare for my son and I. And after I prepare this, we're going to die because we're going to be without. So that lets you and I know how much was left. There was one meal left. But Elijah says, no, if you feed me, as the Lord has, has, has commanded you to do. If you feed me first, you will have enough food to last you throughout this famine. How many of us would think twice about that? Oh, this guy's crazy. Where did he come from? I'm locking that door next time. <laughs> Verse 15 says, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days, the Bible says. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke to Elijah. Here we see how not only did God supernaturally provide for Elijah, but also he provided for the widow who provided for Elijah. Supernaturally. What does that mean? That means that this, this cannot be explained. This is not in the natural. If you have only a certain amount of food left, it does not naturally just fill itself up. Someone else has to do that. Someone else has to physically fill whatever it is up again. So this is supernatural. How was one meal going to last for a couple of years? I want to look at a common thread here between the two, and that is obedience. Obedience. Don't be fooled. God provides. But he is calling you to be obedient. He's calling you to obey. This woman, she had to obey. She had to obey what... what Elijah had told her to do. Elijah had to obey what God told him to do. To go to this place and you will get food there. Do you remember how God provided for, how God provided a son for Abraham uh, and Sarah in their old age? Remember that? Some of you remember that? The others, you're uncertain? All right. 
It's all right. That's why we're here in church. We, we always learn in church, right? If you haven't heard about Abraham and Sarah and you've been here 20 years, then there's, you know, there's probably an issue. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I'm not judging. <laughs> Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, the Bible says God tested Abraham's faith. He said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on, the one, and, on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. Verse 6, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two, as the two of them uh, walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham responded. We have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham turned to his son and said, God will provide. Say that with me, God will provide. He says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham says, yes, here I am. He says, don't lay a hand on that boy. Do not hurt him in, in, in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Genesis 22, verse 15, look at this. 22, 15, it says, Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. He says, This is what the Lord says. This is the Lord now speaking to Abraham. And he says, Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. He says, Because you have obeyed me, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and, on, and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through, your, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He says, all because you have obeyed me. Wow, all this because of obedience. All this because Abraham trusted God. And because he trusted God, he did what God asked him to do. Why? Because he knows that God is a provider. He says, God provided my son in my old age. I've seen him provide, and I know that he's going to continue in my life. 
so that even if I give this back or give him back, God is going to provide because that's who he is. Don't you think the enemy tried to lie to Abraham and say that, man, you've prayed so long for this son, and now you're going to give him back? Do you think that's really God? Do you think God is asking you to give your son back? I mean, you waited this long for him. Why would God do that? It makes no sense. Doesn't that sound like that chump? Doesn't it? Sounds like something he'd say. Is that really God? Why would God ask you to do this? And Abraham, I'm sure, thought, you know what? I'm not going to be fooled today. I'm not going to be fooled because I know that God provides. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy because I know that God provides. That even if I give back my son, whom I love so dearly, that God is going to provide. He's going to provide. I don't know how, but he's going to provide. So here we have Elijah, we have the widow, and we have Abraham all seen God's supernatural provision in their lives. Why? Because of obedience. Not only did God provide for Abraham, but he also provided for his descendants. How many of you want God's provision upon your children and your grandchildren? And your great-grandchildren, long after you're gone from this earth, God's provision is still over your descendants. Why? Because of your obedience. Because of your obedience to God right now, it can affect the future. Don't be fooled, God provides. Secondly, don't be fooled. Say that with me, don't be fooled. God protects. Don't be fooled this... this this morning, I don't care what the enemy is telling you. I'm telling you right now, do not be fooled because God always protects. Didn't God protect Peter from sinking in the water when he lost faith? Didn't he? How many times do you and I lose faith? How many, how many of you uh, 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 have, are, are, are shaky in your faith at times? Oh, come on, everyone in here, everyone in here. And what did Jesus do with Peter? Did he, let him, did he let him sink and drown? No, he didn't. Jesus stretched his arm out and said, Here, Peter, I'm bringing you to safety. I know, I know you lacked in your faith, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm still here to protect you. That's who Jesus is. God protected Daniel in the lion's den. He protected Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego when they were in the blazing furnace. They didn't have on fire retardant suits going in the furnace. <laughs> Come on. The Bible says that there was someone else in there with them. The Bible says that the guard witnessed. The guard witnessed. We threw three in there, but there's four, and the one looks like the Son of God. Oh, man, can you imagine why? That's God's protection. The mighty hand of God upon your life. 
Psalm 91, verse 1. Psalm 91, verse 1 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It says, He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Sounds like the writer has experienced some stuff. He's experienced some some tough times. But even though he's experienced tough times, he said that I've experienced an even greater God. Even in these times of difficulty, even in these times that that, that, that there was no way possible for me to come out alive, he said, I've seen God's supernatural power at work in my life. And he says, and he will do the same for you. He says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Oh my goodness, you need to pray that over your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Declared in the name of Jesus, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. There it is. There it is. He rescues who? Those who love God. How many in here love God this morning? Amen. Get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Because the next time you face some opposition, God is there to rescue you. He's going to be there to rescue you. Right now, whatever's taking place in your life, guess what? God is there to rescue you. Don't be fooled, amen? God protects. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, he says, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. See, the enemy doesn't come at us saying, uh, hey, I'm the devil. (laughs) I'm the devil and um, here is my proposition. (sighs) My name is Lucifer, by the way, and and, um, this is what we're going to be doing. If you follow my instructions, we're both going to hell. (laughs) One way trip, by the way, no escape, weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. Don't worry about that. Just listen to what I'm about to to say right now. This is what I'm bringing to you today. Do what I say and we'll live happily ever after. No, he doesn't come at us like that. Instead, he says, uh, it's okay for you to do this. It's okay for you to do that. It's all right. Nothing's going to happen. 
Isn't that what he told Adam and Eve? It's all right. You could eat from the tree. God, you know what? If you eat it, God says, your eyes are going to be opened. Who doesn't want their eyes opened? Who wants to live blind? No one wants to live blind, right? When he puts it like that, you know, you know Eve, Eve was like, oh, yeah, jeez. I'm seeing everything, yet I'm living blind. Come on, Eve. My eyes are open. I can see you talking to me. Yet you're telling me that if I eat it, then my eyes will really be opened. Well, guess what? I want my eyes to really be opened. And we fall for it. See, I've figured out in my life that God hasn't promised to protect me from everything that I may define as an enemy. Think about what I just said. God hasn't promised to protect me from everything that I define as an enemy. But he's promised ultimate protection from my ultimate enemy, which is sin. God has said that I will give you a way out. Because what does sin do? Sin separates us from God, right? Not just here, but sin seeks to separate us from God eternally. So that is our ultimate enemy, is sin. Why? Because sin causes that separation. And God says, but I, when sin comes your way, I have given you a way of escape. I have protected you in these times. And I promise to protect you and continue in your life. No longer does sin have the power to enslave you and I. It doesn't. It doesn't. Why? Because Christ overcame the power of sin in our lives. Amen? Through the blood. But look at what Psalm 91.5 says. It says, Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. See, what Moses was writing was that God will protect you all times of the day and all times of the night. God is offering you and I 24-7 protection. 24-7 protection. How many of you want that in your life? Oh, man, everyone does. He says, the terrors of the night, I got you. The arrows that fly in the day, God says, I got you. The disease that stalks in darkness, don't worry, God says, I'm protecting you. And he says, the disaster that strikes at midday, God says, once again, don't be concerned about those things because I'm protecting you. 24-7, I'm there for you. Not only does Moses write about God's mighty protection, but Jesus himself is praying that same protection over our lives in John 17, verse 11. And he says this, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. This is Jesus praying. 
Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Verse 15, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Mm. God says, yes, or Jesus says, yes, we may live in this world and we may face opposition. And yes, we have an enemy, but guess what? God is protecting you every step of the way. So say it, don't be fooled. God protects. And here's the last one. Don't be fooled. God promises. Moses writes in Numbers 20, uh, 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19, he says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? You see, a Christian's life is based on promises, isn't it? Isn't it? A Christian's life is based upon promises. What God has promised you and I, that through our obedience, we will be blessed. That's a promise. That's God's promise to you and I. See, a promise is words either spoken or written, binding a person to do or not to do something. That's a promise. You see, and to keep a promise, a person must have character and ability. In order to keep a promise, a person must have character and ability. What do I mean by that? Well, the first question is this. Will they keep their word? That's the first question you need to ask about that person that promises you. Will they keep their word? What is this based upon? This is based upon experience. What has happened in the past? What, have they, what has he or she said, and have they kept those promises in the past? It's character. Will they keep their word? Secondly is this, can they keep their word? Are they able, because the second part is ability, are they able to keep that promise to you? I tell my kid, I'm going to buy you ice cream after, after church. I didn't tell him that. Don't tell him either, all right? Don't be putting words in their head. But if I tell them I'm buying them ice cream after service, can I buy them ice cream? Yes, I can. It costs, what, $3, $4? I think I can pay $4 for an ice cream for them. Will I keep it? Well, once again, you need to ask them. <laughs> this is a question that they have to answer in regards to the experiences that they've had with dad when he says that I'm going to buy them ice cream. What has he said and done in the past? Did he say, I'm buying you ice cream, and then, hey, it's nap time. <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe they'll forget about it. Let me tell you, kids don't forget. I don't care how long their nap is, they won't forget. <laughs> they'll be dreaming about that stuff. Hebrews 6.13, Hebrews 6.13, very quickly here.
you know what, I'm going to go to a different verse. Just write that one down in your notes. See, God promised the Israelites the promised land. He promised them. God promised Noah that he would never flood the earth again. Remember that? How did he, how did he make that promise with the rainbow? He gave the rainbow and said, hey, with the rainbow, uh, you'll know that my promise stands, that I will not flood this earth ever again like I did back then. You see, God has never broken a promise, and he has never forgotten his promises. Someone said this. They said, you can't break God's promises by leaning on them. It's really good. You can't break God's promises by leaning on them. See, there are two types of promises that God gives. Number one is unconditional promise. This is a promise from God that he will do whatever. God promises that he will do whatever he says, and there are no exceptions. Let me give you an example of this unconditional promise. John 14, verse uh, 2. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take and will take you to myself that where I am, that where I am, you may be also. That's an unconditional promise. What does that mean? That means that nothing can change that. It doesn't matter what so-and-so does. It doesn't matter what's taking place around, that Jesus is going to prepare a place. And he says, and because I am preparing the place, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to take the church, the body, with me. And nothing's going to change that. And then there's a conditional promise. That was an unconditional one, and here's conditional promises. They promise to do something under certain circumstances. Let me give you an example of this, Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, 9 says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So there's conditions on that promise. If you do this, you receive this. So what kind of promises do you and I make? We make conditional promises. Why? Because we can't make unconditional promises. Why? Because we don't have control over the future. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So you and I can't make unconditional promises. Why? Because we don't have the ability to do that. It's not in our control. We don't know what the next second is going to bring. But we can make conditional promises. Oh, I will love you if you do this. And I will serve here if these, uh, if, uh, uh, these needs are met and so on and so forth. God, I will do this if you do this for me. You see, only God can make unconditional promises that no person, thing, or circumstance can change. As the worship team goes forward this morning. Don't be fooled, God promises. And you can lean on this. Why? Because He is truthful. 
Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that, we, that he should tell or act a lie. He's faithful. Psalm 33, verse 4 says, He is faithful in all he does. He is immutable. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. He is the God of love. How do I know that he is the God of love? Jeez, read your Bible. Look at the cross. He sent his son to die for you. That's love. That's the ultimate love. Some may say, well, well, God only keeps certain promises. Which promises? Which ones? Well, God only makes promises to certain people. Which people? God is who he says he is. If he wasn't, you and I would be hopeless and helpless. He is who he says he is, church. Throughout the Bible, every promise that God has made, he has kept. You cannot find even one that he has broken. You and I need to know God's promises. God says in his word, he says, I will never leave you. He says, I am your shield. He says, I will strengthen you. He says, I will help you. I will go before you. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy, that are that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, no good thing with, will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. He says, all things work together for good to them that love him. And these are just a few of God's promises to you and I. The next time the enemy tries to lie to you about God's nature, you tell the enemy, no enemy, I will not be fooled. I will not be fooled. You and I, you're not playing me for a fool today because I know that my God provides. You can't tell me, you know, that, that, that uh, uh, you know, there's a big if on how this and this is going to happen in my life because I know that God is a provider. You can't tell me that he's not protecting me because his word says, you're not going to fool me today, nor tomorrow, nor next year. Why? Because I stand on the word of God. I know, who my, I know who my father is. And he has promised me. Do you understand that enemy? He has promised me. And he hasn't broken one promise. And he's not going to start now. If my God says he's going to do it, if my father told me that he's going to do this for me, then guess what? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And I'm going to be here standing. I'm going to be here standing until he does it in my life. I'm going to remain. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to stay where he has called me to stay. I'm going to serve where he has called me to serve. Because he promised. He promised. I'm going to keep praying for that unsaved loved one. Why? Because he promised. 
I'm going to keep praying for that healing. Why? Because he promised. I'm going to keep serving him. As if there is heaven. Why? Because he promised. He promised me eternal life with him. He promised me that we would never, ever be separate again. And that I'm going to live with him in his house forever and ever and ever. Because he promised. And that's the God that we serve this morning. Let's give God praise this morning. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise this morning. For he is worthy. He is the God of his promises. He is the God who protects. He is the God who provides. Yes, Lord. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.